Welcome to the Chapters of Grace podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Heather. And we're two friends collecting stories of God's grace and sharing our stories along the way. Welcome back to today's episode. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, If you missed last week's episode, last two weeks episode, um, Heather and I shared our stories, uh, our chapter on anxiety. Today we are going to be talking with our friend Amy and we have some sensitive topics that are going to be discussed in today's podcast. So if you have little ears around, you may want to either press pause and listen later or if you have some headphones, grab those and um, put those on while we listen. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. So today's guest is our very good friend, Amy. Woo! Hi, Hi. Amy! Hi, Amy. Thank you for joining us today and um, sharing your grace story with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. We're so excited <laughs> to, to jump in. So excited. Amy is our good friend who goes to church with us. She's also my cousin-in-law, but she likes to claim me as friend first and foremost. I choose to be friends. Exactly. So we like to say that. Um, so I'm really excited to hear your story, Amy. Thank you. So um, I guess, Amy, why don't you just start from the beginning? Where does the beginning start of this part of your chapter of your story? Um, starts way back when I was like four. My dad, um, he had three children and um, didn't really, I don't think really wanted to raise us, but he ended up with us. And so he married a woman that he didn't really know that well and um, didn't really know her background. And she had three children. And um, so it was just great. It was like this really weird family. Um, But quickly in our household, you realize that depending on which family you were in, things mattered. Um, There were different um, expectations depending on whose child you were. And there were different consequences for actions depending on whose child you were. And so, um, since we were with my stepmom mostly, and my dad was really, he was out, you know, working, providing, he just wasn't present a lot. Um, we were left in her care mostly. And, um, she really prided herself on like being a stepmom and telling people that she was treating us the same way, but really at home, it was a completely different, we were living a different reality than what people saw. Um, especially at church. Um, So I grew up in church. I was in church from early, early. I don't remember ever not going to church. Mm -hmm. Um, And like every single service, you know, we were there. There was anything going on. We were there. Um, If there was even the whisper of something might be happening, we were going to be there. And um, it was all about what people kind of saw of us. And, um, yeah, but so we were at church, and but when we got home, we just kind of checked Jesus at the door, and did our own thing. Oh man, we didn't. Um, we didn't really like. We were never encouraged to read our Bibles or to spend time in prayer. No one ever asked me if I had gotten saved or accepted the Lord. Um, there was no discussion in our home, unless there was someone else in our home that that discussion would matter in front of. Ooh. So. Oh man. Oh. So there was a lot of just facade going on. Yes. A lot of keeping the mask on. Yeah. Yeah. It was all about what we appeared to be, Mm -hmm. not what we were. And um, 
Yeah, and you knew that, like, you had to keep up that appearance because you didn't want to make, you didn't want to make my stepmom not look like she was a great stepmom. So, mm. um, is this, uh, is this the same church that both of you went to? No, so this is not. No, I grew up in a completely different, um, in a series, mostly, um, I'll guys, I grew up mostly at Greer Church of God, um, but then we started going to a smaller church when my mom, my stepmom had a falling out. Gotcha. With some people at that church. Gotcha. So then we started going to a little tiny church. Okay. So. some At some point in our timelines here, you our guys st- go to church together. Our stories will, yeah, in the will intertwine. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Just Pause a on little, me. A little further on. A little, <laughs> a little further, further on. on yeah. Okay. Um, and so um, I grew up just kind of in that setting where I was always going to be in the wrong. And um, really, it just got to the point where if a step-sibling did something, you it didn't matter if you told on them because they weren't going to get in trouble. Um, and, and I know that there are people who would disagree with how I'm classifying this, but I'm the one who lived it. So I, I yeah. know what I went through. Yeah. Um, and so about fourth grade, I actually remember the day really well because something was found on the playground and I had no idea and all the other kids were going, ew, and they knew. And so I went home and I was like, what's a condom? Because I didn't know. And um, and someone finally had the talk with me. The talk. Me, the talk. The talk. Was, the that, talk. was that your stepmom? That was my stepmom who had the talk with me. Mm-hmm. And I cried a lot during it and she didn't understand why I was crying. I guess she thought I was scared. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I began to realize, um, you see, I guess I should say this, my step-siblings would go off with their dad and see like movies and stuff and then come mm-hmm. back. Yeah. You know, they, they were exposed to more. I particularly was very, very sheltered. I think my grandmother had a heavy hand in that. And so there were things that the family would watch, but Amy wasn't allowed to see because I was the baby and I was protected. And so when I'm having this talk with my stepmom, I began to realize that the game that a step-sibling had been teaching me to play um, since I was four um, was actually acting out sex scenes for movies that they had seen. And um, it, it just... Sort of probably hit you, right? It hit me. And it was like, I felt so dirty. But at the same time, I could not tell anybody about it because it would become my fault and I already felt like it was my fault and so I just kind of kept that to myself and And that's when I really I did that's that's what we did we we didn't talk about how we were feeling because if you weren't feeling the right way then you got in trouble for your feelings so that's when I really started to retreat um, especially into books and novels and just, it was easier to read something and not have to experience life because life was painful. And um, um, not long after that is actually when I got saved. It was like first time I ever heard the story of the prodigal. And it was explained to me that this was about love. Because that's, I mean, I'm not saying that it wasn't spoken when I grow, grew up. But the way I had understood it was like, you get saved to not go to hell, and then you just have to try really, really hard to not end up there anyways. And there's a good chance you're going to mess up and end up there anyways. Exactly. And so it, it just, it never appealed to me personally until I heard about this loving father. He would, like, run to you. So, um, 
So there was like an initial up and then there was like this down because I truly felt dirty and unlovable. Like if anybody knew what had been going on all those years behind closed doors, they would be like, nope, I'm sorry, you're out. And um, so that led to me like stealing a romance novel. I used to remember my stepmom was sit reading those and then like all of a sudden she started fanning herself. And I was like, what? Oh, wow. What are these <laughs> books that they're reading? You know, I, I didn't know. And so I was curious and I like to know things. I'm, I'm nosy. Oh, look, she finally admits it. <laughs> I shook her face. <laughs> I know I'm nosy. And so um, I just, I wanted to know. And so I stole my first romance novel. And that was a real eye opener. Oh, well, I bet. Things mm. that, you know, I really didn't understand at the time. And, um, and it just became an addiction. I would just kind of cycle through taking them and putting them back so she wouldn't know I had taken them. And, um, and it was just so much easier because it was like I really wanted something. So a desire had been awakened in me that I was not ready to process. Yeah. And so it was so easy to read about intimacy and not have to experience it because I was also completely terrified. Um, I had gotten to the point where people hugging me gave me like a, a, a panic attack. And that, that, that lasted up until like last year, but it, story. it really did. Wow. True story. Um, it was like anytime someone like came at me to hug me, it was like I would have to brace myself because it, it just increased the feelings of dirtiness and the feelings of, it's probably fake, you know, because I just really didn't believe anything was real. And so... Um, I kind of got trapped in the cycle of reading these novels, and um, I'll, like as I moved through high school, um, of course, you, you don't talk to your friends about that kind of stuff in high school. I was kind of lost because I didn't know really who I was. I had multiple friend groups, but I was not really close with anybody. And so I, um, I got to the place where I just really believed that there wasn't a God because... Why would there be a God and him make me feel that pain? And, um, it's okay. No, we specialize in tears around here. <laughs> I'm a crier. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that everybody was a hypocrite. Like what I grew up with, that's, that's all there was. Like you went to church and you were this one thing and you went home and it was just horrible at home. And, and so I just kind of walked away. Um, it helped that my dad and that stepmom split up. And so she got the custody of the church. And so we weren't even acting like we were going to church anymore. And it was like I was just able to drop that whole facade and just kind of move forward. And that's, yeah. and I like looking back, I didn't go to college right after high school. And I'm so thankful to the Lord that I didn't. Because that was grace there. Wow. I yeah. was would have been just like easy pickings for yeah. addiction, for yeah. having sex. I would have, I was easy pickings. Isn't it beautiful though how in retrospect you see yes. the like, grace of you God? You can look back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, believe me. I didn't see it then. I was angry. Yeah. I worked, well, I didn't really work hard in school, but I did well in school. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of the next step that everyone tells you. You take, mm -hmm. you graduate high school, you go to college, but it's sometimes... Like you said, you weren't in a place where you could do that. And the Lord was like, no, Amy, we got to keep you from yeah. those things. But I'm thankful. He sent me to a place called Possum Kingdom. 
Um, there's nothing there. Um, nothing but possums and raccoons and trailers. So, sorry. Um, and I just started working a series of dead end jobs and my mom was going through another marriage. Um, as another thing, like I didn't think marriages lasted, just didn't see that growing up. And so I, um, I was really deep into reading romance novels and it was about this time, like, you know, I'm older, so it was just getting where like pornography and stuff was available on TV and not TV, but like internet, okay. um, internet was really evolving. It's the big thing. It's big thing. So <laughs> it, like the access was there. So I moved from novels into watching and, um, and it was like, it was just so much easier than having to think about actually getting to know somebody or actually being intimate with someone. I, um, but at the same time I wanted it so bad. I remember so many days like just crying out, Lord, just give me a relationship. Let someone love me. And just asking for that, but knowing that I didn't deserve it, that it wasn't worthy. And um, so my mom ended that relationship. We moved out of Possum Kingdom. Away from the possums. Away from the possums. <laughs> Away from the possums. Um, and she married my current stepdad. And um, his family was amazing. I've had my share of stepfamily trouble. And <laughs> Sounds that way. I'm like, I'm familiar. We've been through this game before. But his dad was a, pa a Baptist minister. A really fiery one. Like, I think he could have been Pentecostal. Because <laughs> he would, like, bang on the pulpit. But it was, like, the first time I saw these people who spoke about the love of Christ and then actually lived it out in their daily life and just and just showed that love and um so that got me back in church um but I still was caught in the cycle of um of you know these highs and these lows where like I would feel like okay I went to church and I gave this up and I gotta stop this cycle of sin I can't keep watching this I can't keep reading this it's bad for me but I was just, I was so trapped in it because there was so much fear. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, and the more you, you hide it in the dark like that, the more of a hold it catches on you. And um, so, um, you know, move on. Um, I work a lot of dead-end jobs. I end up going back to school. This whole time I'm I'm working in a church. I'm actively, I'm like, I'm teaching a Sunday school class, I'm going to church, but it, it still never really connected, um, that I was free from this, that I was choosing to carry this. And, um, this is the church that we grew up, that I yes, grew up in. This is the church. This we is where we back. met. Yeah. Um, this is the one. When I went back to church, that's where I was. And so, um, I, um, I went through a time where that church had some issues and we stuck around because um, honestly we made a very emotional decision um, and we didn't really pray about it. We just kind of went with our emotions. Um, my grandmother was going through something at the time and the church was there for us and so we stayed 
And I was like, all right, I'm going to put, I'm going to go all in and I'm just going to work and we're going to make it. And, but at the same time, I was still completely tied to that shame because I really believed that if these people knew that, like, they're like, oh, you can't come here anymore. You know, that's what I felt like. And, um, so finally went back to school, finally got an education, able to move out on my own. And that's when the addiction just kind of took over because it was like I no longer, because I was in my own house by myself. And so there's no one monitoring me, which I'm not saying they were monitoring me as an adult living in my parents' house, but like there was no hiding anymore. It was just mm -hmm. a secret that I had in my own home. And, and so it just kind of, it took over. And it's no wonder that when that took over, my depression hit new lows that I just, I had never gone through places that dark. While I'm still, I'm still going to church though, but my soul was not getting any food. I was not being fed. I wasn't connecting. I, um, I realize now I wasn't really praising. Um, I was just kind of there out of obligation. And so something that I used to love became something that I did not want to do. And so January of 2017, I did not leave my apartment all January. I made up excuses like my back was hurt. I had a sinus infection, you know, just any excuse. I like, I maybe left three times to scavenge for food, but mostly had delivery. And <laughs> I actually, um, I was on a migraine medicine at the time and I actually counted out the pills um, that it would take to kill me. And I knew I had them. And I would look at that bottle and I'm so thankful that even though maybe growing up in church, I wasn't always taught the right thing, but I was taught. And so I had a knowledge of God because in those times, like I did not feel him. Yeah. And I think that's why it took me so long because I, I just, I maybe moved from hurt to just not feeling anything, almost just a numbness. And I was still numbing my pain through romance novels through, well, any kind of novel really was like an escapist for me. But, um, yeah, so that February I went to a women's group with my friend Heather. I can't see the face I'm making right now, but it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember my mom wasn't at that group. We usually went mm -hmm. together. It was actually my first time out of the house that year. And, um, Heather and our friend Joanne, who started the group, who was awesome. She really is. She's really, the best. Really great. Um, they just kind of, like, looked at me, and then when I walked into the kitchen, they both kind of attacked me. I'm like, <laughs> what's going on with you? There is something wrong with you. Yep. This is true. <laughs> and, and it was like, all that stuff I had been hiding, it just came out. Now, not like the, the addiction. That did not come out until a little bit later that year. But, um, the pain and depression and, um, and then, so it started a whole series of me sitting on Heather's couch crying while her and her husband would be like, come to faith renewed. Yeah. And, um, months. <laughs> I knew that I had to leave the church I was in. I didn't want to, I don't like change. I don't do change. Well, I get comfortable. <laughs> I hate being uncomfortable. And it literally came down to like. 
It was a Wednesday night. I remember because the song by Casting Crowns, the What If I Gave Everything, and it talks about I called you into deeper waters, but you're still on the shallow end. And that's what I felt like. Like I was just kind of playing around in the waiting pool and I see all my friends in the deep end. And um, that song just broke me that day. And the Lord's like, you're, you're going to go tell them right now that you're leaving that church. And I was like, I don't know. I wasn't even planning on going to church. And um, especially when I got to the church, like there was a certain car in the parking lot. And I was like, mm, I'm not going in there. And um, the Lord's like, yeah, you are. And so I went in and I, I did finally have to tell them. Because I was, I was doing things in the church. I was still, you know, I had jobs. And, um, so I had to actually make them aware that I was choosing to leave the church. Um, which I do think is a responsible thing to do. Like, I think that that's something, I really do. I think that's something that's commendable. I think a lot of people get scared to say, for whatever reason, if you're leaving, if it's, you feel called somewhere else, if it's not always a bad situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it, it kind of take, that takes a lot of courage to go. It really was more about, um, me and not really about the church. Like, I'm not saying the church was perfect or it didn't have issues, but where I was, I was not getting anything. I was not being fed. And so I was just straight up honest with that. And, um, you know, it was a hard conversation to have, but um, I'm glad I did when I did because the next week an event happened um, that had I waited, I would not have been able to tell them I was leaving. Yeah. So the Lord's timing was perfect there. And um, that next week is actually when I came to Faith Renewed for the first time. It was a really weird um, Sunday because we went to Brookwood for the 9 a.m. We came to Faith Renewed for 11 a.m. And then I went to Miss Joanne's church for the 6 p.m. You and were churched out. I was churched out. I was so tired. <laughs> and it was, but I was still kind of like, mm, I don't think this is where I'm going because I really wanted to go somewhere where I didn't know anybody. But because of the type of person I am, if I had gone somewhere where I didn't know anybody, I would still be going somewhere where I didn't know anybody. <laughs> um, it would have just been so easy to just slip in, sit on the pew, but then all you're doing is occupying a pew. You're not actually participating. And um, so slowly over the next couple months, I started like, okay, I'm going to go to Faith Renewed, and I would go. And um, and then the service, like, I remember, I remember what it was talking about. It was the vision is Isaiah or Ezekiel, when he's talking about the vision of the waters flowing from the throne room, mm-hmm. and it goes deeper and deeper. And I'm like, I was crying before half the sermon was even <laughs> over. And yet, I still didn't answer the first call. And um, Chris Holman said, there's someone here who is carrying a weight of something that was done to you, but it's not yours to carry. It's time to lay it down. Mm-hmm. And I just broke, just broke. And I went up to the front and someone started praying with me, which was new because at our old church, the pastor might pray over you, but you didn't have like a group of people come up and pray for you. And then if you did go down for prayer, you had some phone calls afterwards to explain it. Oh, wow. And um, so there was like a lot of judgment around you going forward for prayer. And um, so it was unusual. And then when I looked up, the ironic thing, like, I didn't know who was praying for me, and it was a teenager, and I was like, I did not even know, and I was going to tell them what I was laying down, but 
when I saw a teenager, I was like, oh, this is really heavy <laughs> to be laying on this teenager that I don't even know. Like, I know, like, she could have handled it. Now you know. Knowing. But, um, yeah. And then it's like I allowed grace to, because, like, the cycle, the Lord's calling me into the deep. But since I'm holding this weight and this heaviness, I couldn't move into those deeper waters mm-hmm. where the healing was. Mm-hmm. But I was choosing to do that. Like, I'm being pulled, but I'm the one pulling back. I'm the one resisting. And it was because I had gotten comfortable in my sin. I had gotten comfortable in my place of unforgiveness. And it was just easier to hold on to that secret than to let it go. But, man, once you let it go, you're like... There's so much freedom. I haven't looked or read anything pornographic. I'm actually not even reading novels right now. Because look at you. Look at you. There's no sense in escaping life. You gotta live it. Wow. And um yeah, I've been free. That's and I know that, you know, what was done to me as a child was not God's will for me. It's never God's will for you to be in a situation of abuse. Mm -hmm. That's someone else acting in their own will. And so but it's not your fault. It's not my fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. And I know, I, I think you said, before you kind of got to that point, you said that people may disagree with how you categorize it, right? Right. But I'm just going to say this here now for everyone. That was your experience, and you were violated, and there's validation in that it was abusive to you, yeah. no matter what anybody says. I had never called it abuse until that day at the altar. Yeah. Because I truly believed I played a game. I'm responsible. You carried it. It's, yeah. it's on me. Yeah. So, But yeah, it's not your fault. No. That was uh, not a burden you were ever meant to, to carry. Yeah. 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 So. Wow. And here you are. I just want to point out that it's ironic that a teenager prayed for you because you now serve in the youth at our yeah, church. I literally just had that thought. <laughs> God is sort of a sense of humor. He's like, I'm going to send this teenager to pray for you so that when you're called to the youth, you go. Oh, it was definitely the Lord because I'm not like, oh, teenager. <laughs> yeah, and you, you serve in our nursery. You love on some babies. Mm-hmm. I love babies. Yeah. It's funny, you know, from the littlest to the, to the, the oldest of the kids. But. Yeah. Well, I just want you to know that um, there's a lot of courage in everything you said today. So much courage. So much courage and so much healing and yes, healing's going to come forth from this in ways that you can never imagine. And obedience is such a wonderful thing to walk Mm -hmm. in. And I think we, we said this in the past episodes about anxiety, but one thing that I'm continuing to learn is that what the enemy intends for evil that the Lord uses for good Mm -hmm. and even though there's so much pain in what you went through, now that you're on that side of healing, what you just shared is probably going to truly help people. And it's going to bring the Lord so much glory that you're on this side of healing. Mm-hmm. And Yes. It's all about being healed and taking the power away from it when you're speaking about it. Yes. So you got to bring those things out of the darkness into the light. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Chapters of Grace podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and a five-star rating. Also, follow us on social media at Chapters of Grace podcast.